Something like that. We're, yeah. we're bad at French. Uh, no, I'm George, great at it. <laughs> George, Ben's Kingsley. <laughs> Him. Like, I think some of what he was doing... Ben's Kingsley? Is that the plural of Ben's Ben Kingsley? Ben's Kingsley's. <laughs> Many Ben's Kingsley's. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Steam Powered Movies. I am Mike, one of your hosts, and I'm here with my other host. Hello, my name is Dana Frederick. I am a steampunk and fantasy author. I'm an educator. I'm a creator. I am a, well, obviously an author, because I said that part. <laughs> yes, yes, you do all those things and several more, including this podcast yeah. where we talk about a steampunk film that we just watched. I just now realized I've never mentioned podcast like podcaster in my particular litany of things that I do. Well, it's got to go in your bio now. Apparently, Professional yeah. podcaster. All right. I got to update my bio now. Podcaster of things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and today for podcasting. No, I'm just saying podcast a lot because it sounds weird. Podcast. Anyway. Podcast, podcast. <laughs> so for this podcast, Steam Power <laughs> Movies, we watched the steampunk film from... 2011 called Hugo. It was directed by Martin Scorsese, uh, featuring a very young Asa Butterfield and Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, there was also Christopher Lee, Ben Kingsley, Sasha Baron Cohen, and some other people. This movie had such a like big cast list. Yeah, it's like oh oh Ben Kingsley. Oh hello Christopher Lee. Hello everyone. Like just real real legends. Yeah. Yeah, I, I stopped there. I was like, wow, that's a lot of names. That's too many names. Uh, so that's what we watched. And now we're going to talk about it. Uh, but first, we have some housekeeping items. Mm -hmm. Just some uh, announcements um, to share with y'all. First, uh, Dana is going to tell us about some events she has coming up. In case you want to meet her, see her other things that she creates, buy some books. So and I, we're so bad about this. Like... we always forget to like include my events which i do literally on a monthly basis <laughs> and i travel around so if you would like to come and say hi please do um this month here in the year of our lord kitten march so the first <laughs> and the second of march i will be at the huntsville comic convention at low mill arts and entertainment that is not to be confused with the other huntsville event which unfortunately i will not be at this year due to a scheduling conflict but the one at low mill first and second of march I will be there. It's an extremely cool building. It's so fun. Please come out. Please support local artists like myself. And yeah, it's a great time. It's such a cool place. Yeah. So if you're listening to this on the day the podcast comes out, go there right now. Yeah. Or tomorrow. Yeah. Huntsville. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's a great city. Um, and then also in April, I have on the weekend of the 13th, I have the Chicago Steampunk Expo at the Hyatt Regency Schaumburg in Chicago. Don't worry, you don't have to drive through downtown because Schaumburg is like kind of on the outskirts. So you can avoid all that horrible traffic. You're welcome. And then the week after, I will be at the Telltale Steampunk Festival at Delta Hotels in Baltimore Hunt Valley. So you can Google any of those events. You get some details, get tickets, all that kind of stuff. Um, and there you go. They're going to be great. I'm going to be there. Other people are going to be there. Very cool people. All of us. So come and say hi. Yeah. Check it out. And our other announcement is another way that you can say hi. Mm -hmm. We are now launching a Steam Powered Movies Discord. Woo! Applause! Yeah. yeah there's going to be a link in the description of this podcast. And join it. Come hang out with us. You can 
come talk about episodes, past, present, and future. Uh, you can come make suggestions. Uh, another way you can make suggestions directly to us in the Discord. We'll be there. We'll be chatting. We'll be checking it out. Um, or if you just want to talk about other films or just chat, uh, it'll be a great place for that. Um, really looking forward to finding out who you people are who are listening to our voices <laughs> stream out across the internet uh, randomly. So, yeah, join the Discord link. Check it out. Hang out with us. Look forward to it. Now, on to the film. On with the show! <laughs> so this film was directed by Martin Scorsese, the same person who brought us Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, The Departed, very serious crime, gritty films. And now this film, whatever you want to call it, more I whimsical. I feel like you have opinions about this film, but we'll get to it. Because like, we, like, we turned off the TV <laughs> and you had such like a look about you. But like I said, we'll get to that. I, I have some thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they'll, 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 they'll find their way out. All right. So we should probably define what steampunk is before we get too far into it. Sure. Do you want to do that for any new listeners? Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, because, you know, we don't know who is coming to this podcast. Maybe it's a hundred years in the future and steampunk is kind of a different thing who knows we don't know so just in case you're not aware <laughs> steampunk is sort of generally speaking as like a vague rule of thumb like victorian sci-fi so usually it's like victorian era somewhere yeah. in that like 80 whatever years that queen victoria reigned and it's got like sci-fi type elements not like you know spaceships and stuff generally but you know you'll have gadgetry that right. is either steam powered or clockwork powered Things like that. Lots of gears, lots yeah, of steam. Totally. Uh, probably an airship, maybe yeah. an automaton. There you go. Yeah. Let's see what you're doing. <laughs> see what I did there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how how did we come to this movie to watch it? And what did what did we know about it ahead of time? Okay. Well, I read the book that is based on oh, like okay. several years ago. So I knew what to expect. Like ah. I knew what it, I knew what the story was, uh, all the things. I'm very curious how closely the film follows the book as far as the story uh -huh. and the plot and things. I'm very curious. Well, what did you think going in? Like, what did you expect? I didn't really know anything. Okay. The only thing I knew was that there was like a clock on the front of the cover mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. I think the movie poster had a clock and it was about a young boy and it was directed by Martin Scorsese. That's the only thing that I knew. All right. That's not a lot to go on. No, I basically nothing. Cool. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Didn't know anything. Uh, I guess I was thinking maybe it would be like some sort of young adult adventure kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that it would be exciting. Okay. And that there would be like cool characters and exciting things would happen. Uh-huh. That's what I was hoping for. Sure. Yeah. So quick question. Did Scorsese also do... Uh, was it the sh is this the Shining? Is that the Stephen King book slash film that like is so iconic? No, that was uh, Stanley Kubrick. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, I dig Darmy Dunn. Different, um, you know, uh, director of many classic films. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. All right, never mind then. I have no comment then. <laughs> I I don't really think I'm that familiar with Scorsese beyond like just hearing his name a lot. Like I I saw Goodfellas and. Did not enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen any of the other movies that you mentioned. Yeah. Very much in the vein of like guy movies. Like 
<laughs> things that that dudes like about crime and and getting away with it and I don't know that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Sounds great. And he has been thought of as like one of the great American directors for a long time, but he never won an Oscar until The Departed, which was I guess now like mid 2000s or something like that. Okay. He's been making movies for like a long time before he got that Oscar, which I think The Part is a good film. I don't know if it's like I one of the know. best ever or anything, but uh-huh. you know, it's it's good good genre film about crimes and heists and backstabbing and plots and stuff. Is that the one where like people are just shouting at each other about like, did you know she was a cop? <laughs> is that the one? It might be. I mean, it's got Mark Wahlberg in it and he plays a uh, Boston accent cop. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. By the way, that Boston accent of mine is flawless. It's perfect. No notes. Thank you. <laughs> We uh, might we might have more accents in this in this oh, episode. Really? Get ready. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Make it interesting. Um, so what is steampunk about this movie, Hugo? Besides the very first shot of the film, which is gears. Oh my gosh! And it opens with a like the sound of a steam train pulling in. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of gears on the screen. Yeah, a lot of gears. A uh, lot of clockwork stuff happening. There's the clockwork automaton. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot. Honestly, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna come in early here on the uh, rating and say this might be peak steampunk. Really? Yes. Huh. Now I realize. Okay, so I didn't really say it in the film, but in the book, it mentions it's set in 1931. Okay, that's one of the things I was trying to land the time period on it. Uh huh. Because at the beginning, I was thinking. Oh, probably like late 1800s with all like the steam trains and the clockworks and stuff. And then there was a scene where they went to the movies. I was like, wait, what? Well, now you have to like, I think the some of the scenes they were showing of like in the past. I would keep wanting to call him Moliere, which is not correct. Moliere is a French playwright, <laughs> not the not this French movie maker. Um, what was you or something or milieu? Something like that. We're, yeah. we're bad at French. Uh, no, I'm George. Great at it. George, Ben's Kingsley, <laughs> him. Like, I think some of what he was doing. Ben's Kingsley, is that the plural of Ben's Ben Kingsley? Kingsley's. <laughs> Many Ben's Kingsley's. <laughs> <laughs> he has a decidedly difficult to pronounce name. Sure. Ben Kingsley. You kind yeah. of have to stop yourself. Ben's Kingsley. <laughs> anyway, we've gone on about that too long. So, <laughs> Or is it the luxury brand? Ben's Kingsley, like a Mercedes. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> it's Mercedes Ben's Kingsley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. No, now that you now that you mentioned it, never mind. I take back what I was about to say because I was going to say, oh, maybe some of like the stuff he was doing for movie making was in like the late eighteen hundreds. But like he mentioned, the war came, so he would have had to have been making movies for like thirty years. Well, before the war came. Well, yeah. I I have some research for you. Oh, okay. He mentions. The something brothers. I wrote it down. Lumiere. Lumiere brothers. You know why I know that? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Because <laughs> he is Lumiere. And he lights up. He is a candelabra. <laughs> so the Moliere brothers. Uh, Lumiere. Lumiere. <laughs> Moliere's the French playwright. Ah. <laughs> I put it in your head. We're great at French. We're the best at French. <laughs> so uh, they came out with their first film in 1895. Oh, okay. So, yes, that okay. would that I I I think 
that kind of tracks with what I was thinking. I was like, when they showed him making movies, he was younger. So if that was 1895, I was thinking probably like 20 to 30 years later. So they went even farther. They went like 35 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he's supposed to be really old in the timeline of the present day of this I film. I get that he's like 70 in this. He'd have to be because there's no way... Uh, I mean, okay, they tried to make him look younger with the facial hair and stuff, but he was at least 35 in the younger version of him in the flashback. Right, right. Like, no way he was any younger than that. So 35 years after, yeah, he's got to be 70 in present day. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, no no way he's not at least 70. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was really confused by the timeline at first. Okay. Because I was thinking steampunk, like 1800s, and then movie theater i'm like wait where are we when are we what's yeah. going on i would have appreciated a little thing in the beginning of like this is the year we're in because like yes they talk about the war and like i think you kind of get the vibe that it's world war one but like that's mm-hmm. not till like two-thirds of the way through the film if not three quarters yeah like you're most of the way through the film by the time like you get that information mm-hmm. it, i i think it would have really been nice to just have like a little like 1931 yeah in the beginning yeah, I think that would have worked. It would have maybe even grounded the film a little more in reality, mm-hmm. which is one of my general complaints that didn't seem like it was very in reality at all. Uh huh. Maybe that was on purpose. Maybe. Okay. So. But, okay. Here's the thing: is that when we when we talk about movies based on books, how close are we keeping it to the book? And like the vibe of the book is very it's it's set in real life sort of it's like historical um fiction but it has a very fantastical vibe so can i can i actually read you the first page of the book sure okay so let's oh this is gonna be a first we're gonna actually read from the source material indeed so the invention of hugo correct which i think we mentioned is by brian selznick who's also a hollywood director so he's Ah, coming from a movie background okay all right Okay, I I see where this is going. Yes, indeed. So, and I'm seeing this is a very thick oh, book. You could bludgeon someone to death with this. No wonder the film was two hours long. Yeah. Well, the thing is, okay. So this is this is where the podcast format is going to fall down because I'm I'm working with a visual medium at the moment. Like I have the physical book in my hand and I'm turning physical pages. <laughs> there are so many illustrations in this book. I would say this book is quite possibly like twice as many illustrations as there are actual word pages oh wow yeah so okay it's meant to be extremely visual um hmm. but the the first page a brief introduction the story i'm about to share with you takes place in 1931 under the roofs of paris here you will meet a boy named hugo Cabret, who once long ago discovered a mysterious drawing that changed his life forever but before you turn the page i want you to picture yourself sitting in the darkness Like the beginning of a movie. On screen, the sun will soon rise, and you will find yourself zooming toward a train station in the middle of the city. You will rush through the doors into a crowded lobby. You will eventually spot a boy amid the crowd, and he will start to move through the train station. Follow him, because this is Hugo Cabret. His head is full of secrets, and he's waiting for his story to begin. Okay. Okay, this is making the film make more sense. Yes. If I had read the first page of that book uh-huh. i probably not i probably would not have wanted to watch this movie <laughs> oh no oh no why <laughs> well 
I, I feel like if we when we get into this, it's going to eat up the entire like meat of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any other things about this movie that were steampunk too? You said it was peak steampunk. I think so, personally. So we had like all of the gears all the time. We're basically like inside the clock for half the movie. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing all of these little mechanical things that he is repairing, like the little like wind up mouse. He is like repairing the automaton throughout the film. All of these very like steampunky things. We have the uh, mechanical brace on Sasha Baron Cohen's leg. Yep. Caught that. So and there are there's often like a thing in steampunk where like you have injuries of that ilk, either from some kind of war or from like a factory accident, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So some that's kind of all... mechanical repair to the human body. Precisely. Yeah. 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 So that's that's like just generally what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, very in line with the aesthetic yeah. of steampunk. Very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I could see how it made all those lists of steampunk movies mm-hmm. that we were looking at. Yeah. And why we're talking about it. Yeah. But, um But you don't seem like you really enjoyed it. I was glad it was over. Oh my. <laughs> you really did enjoy it. I I became incredibly bored uh-huh. by this movie. Interesting. So there's a there's a thing when I, I feel like a lot not a lot. Some filmmakers go through a phase where they're like really full of themselves and they feel like they're going to be the ones to make a movie that like represents to people the magic of the movies. <laughs> oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> They're like, the people must know how magical films are. Even though they're literally watching a film. Yes, I'm sitting here watching one. They're like, we must share some old anecdotes of Hollywood past and how glamorous and great it was. And aren't you amazed and filled with wonder? (laughs) But it's done in the most boring way possible. so salty about this. It's so boring and like up your own butt artistry (laughs) it's like i am like i don't know that nobody else does this no like nobody else has in like other movie makers or like only like big movie makers who are like you gotta understand how great movies are that you need to understand why i'm obsessed yeah yeah that that's the thing Uh uh-huh but like i don't know like do artists do that like do musicians do musicians don't like write albums about like the greatness of music and the power of music no that's not a thing i will say there are i don't know how many but there are a non-zero number of writers that do this okay i believe that (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh but it's so annoying they're all about their own butts too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they are they just are like movies like this all and writers like, are up their own butts no 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 there are writers that are not all of them okay because you're sitting across from one you're great <laughs> yeah you're great <laughs> but like whenever i hear about a movie when i hear that it's like oh it's talking about filmmaking like directly like some filmmakers make films that are like analogous to the filmmaking process Uh but at least they're telling like a different story like christopher nolan a lot of his films will have like uh, okay again i'm rolling my eyes internet 
because mm. Christopher Nolan is not my favorite director, and I think he's up his own butt. He, well, yes, he is. <laughs> I I like a lot of his movies, but I cannot argue against the butt upness. <laughs> <laughs> like in his like in Inception, like they all have different roles, and like one is like the producer, and one's like the director, and one is like the lead actor, you know, and one is the writer that like imagines. Okay, the thing. I'll grant like, you in Inception, that's cool, right? It, because it, it, they're they're putting on a production of sorts, right? But it's an analogy. Uh huh. Whereas a film like this, it's like, here, look, it's a movie. This is how you make a movie. Isn't it cool? <laughs> and that becomes just what the movie is. And you lose the story. Like, there's no actual story happening with the characters. They're not doing anything interesting. It's just like, oh, I went to a movie and it was so great. Okay. <laughs> this feels a lot like my issue with the Nicole Kidman, like, movie opening things of, like, movies are so great. Don't forget. Like, they're yes. just the best. And it I... <laughs> It's in that same vein. It's like every five years, some director has to make a movie about how great movies are, and then they get nominated for an Oscar. And yeah, like La La Land, it was like another one. It was like, oh, it's all about LA and making movies and making it in showbiz. It's like, there's, ah. Uh, and then what was the other one? Uh, what is it? Born a Star or something a star? Star is Born. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Because didn't that also do the same thing? I never saw it, but that was I on never purpose. saw it either, but yeah. yeah. Again, because I learned it was that kind of movie i'm like i'm not gonna see it <laughs> we have found you're like where all of your salt lives <laughs> and it is movies about movies it there are some that are that are done better like some movies are uh you didn't see it but like uh mank came out but it was that was a little more like behind the scenes it was actually like telling a story about a writer uh, the writer of Citizen Kane. Um, but it's like backlot, like actual stories of people. This is all like glitz and glamour. Like the glitz and glamour movies about movies ones are the ones that really bore me. Uh-huh. Incredibly boring. Okay. So. So you didn't love the experience. So let me, let me dig into this then. What did you think of our various cast of characters? Because they did have this recurring cast of characters who you mm -hmm. sort of saw like moving through their lives because they work within the train station. What did you think about them? I thought that they were very flat. Wow. And wow. I was not very interested. Okay. Wow. All right. No. So <laughs> <laughs> very different opinions here then. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been on my soapbox. Talk, talk about something that you liked about this film. What did you like about it? I mean, I will say I, I don't always love child acting. It's it's a learned skill. And, you know, children, they just haven't been alive that long to learn that skill. Mm -hmm. Even if, you know, they've been acting like their entire lives, basically, like you still sort of in a lot of ways, like lack the experience to be able to emote some of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so I didn't I didn't love that part. But I did personally love like the cast of characters that we had in the train station. Okay. I thought I thought it was sweet. So you had um I think it was the, I think he might be the same guy, but I sometimes conflate actors. So the guy who played Vernon Dursley and the woman who played uh Madame Olympe, both from Harry Potter. Sure. The the Dachshunds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I thought they were very cute. 
Okay. And I really like Christopher Lee's character, but this surprises no one because he owns the used bookshop, which by the way, my copy of Hugo Cabret here, we bought from Myopic Books, which is a used bookshop in Chicago oh, cool. when we were in Chicago last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it feels like it's kind of come back around. But anyway, like I loved him. I love that. Like he knew every corner and every inch of his bookshop. He's like, oh yeah, move, like books about movies. You'll have that. It was on like the third floor, top shelf, like da, 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 da. That was another scene where I rolled my eyes. Oh, I love it. No, because it was books about movies. Like, oh, more about movies. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. You just, you're, you're over it. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. The, okay. the movie scene, when it started talking about movies, I was, I was checked out. Okay. <laughs> so what did you think about the bits where it was uh, about books? Where, oh, I've already forgotten her name. What is her name in the in the movie? The girl. They said it like one time, I think. Yeah, because like we hear, we heard Hugo Cabret's name a lot, but I actually don't remember her name. I don't remember either. Uh, the, what's her what's her real name? Is it Sophia? Chloe Grace Moretz is. The oh, okay, actress. never mind. Uh, so Chloe Grace Moretz, um, her character where she's like, you don't like books? Like I related to that on a spiritual <laughs> level. <laughs> I mean, you laughed out loud. I, I did, and I saw that coming. Yeah, Isabel. That's her character. Isabel. Okay, that's right. Yeah, but I, I think they literally only say it once, mm-hmm. maybe twice. Possibly. Um, or maybe it was just, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't notice. Anyway, but yeah, so I really, I did really like the parts where she's like talking about how great books are and how it's just like the best ever. So that made me happy. Cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care as much for the part where like he takes her to the movies and like there was a little part of me that was scared because they didn't, they didn't get into it that deep in the book. Mm-hmm. In the book, it was like, oh, we went to the movies and it was way cool. That was mm. that part, the end. Um, but in the film, because they did kind of get into it more, I, I sort of worried that she was going to be like, oh, I'm a movie person now instead of like a book person. Oh, I see. I did worry about that, but they, that didn't really happen. So I'm pleased about that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. You really don't have much on this, do you? No, you I just... mean, I, all of my notes are negative. <laughs> oh, much. no. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I found very funny. Okay. Okay. So first of all, this movie does that classic thing. And I don't know why movies do this, but like where we are in Paris, everyone is French and we all have English accents. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone is English mm-hmm. in this movie set in Paris and they're all supposed to be French. Yeah. There are French actors, you know. Where? <laughs> they're there. <laughs> I'm sure they're there. Somewhere in France, I guess. I yeah. guess so, because I, I assume that's where they live. Yeah, not where this movie was made. This movie was made on a green screen in L.A. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I just, it it like constantly baffles me because it happens all the time. Like you don't, you never have like American actors playing French people. Like with an American accent. Hmm. You never have them playing German people. Because sometimes you'll also have German actors, but being played by English actors. Or like German characters played by English actors yeah no you're right but you never have that with american and Mm -hmm. i don't really know why that's a thing but it it is it just is like across the board yeah well because people don't want subtitles Uh uh-huh so you can't have them speaking french well yeah but they have to sound european well they didn't do it in in glorious bastards Mm -hmm. they had actual like french accented folks doing like the parts for the the french characters i don't know if they were actually french but that's what mm-hmm. like, like Christoph Stoltz, who now plays like every German character. Yeah. Christoph Waltz. Oh, sorry. Whatever his name is. Yeah. <laughs> Did he play a character called Stoltz in a different film? 
I don't know. I don't remember. It sounds like a thing, but I don't know. I could just be, I don't know, pulling that out of nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that movie also tried harder, though. So, it's better. Ah, <sighs> that's debatable. <laughs> I enjoyed this movie more than Inglorious Bastards. Uh, but I don't like Tarantino, like, at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I will give you, though, there were some very fun parts in Inglorious Bastards. I just overall didn't like the film. Fair enough. You know. Uh, so, also some fun things. Um, I got some very left shark energy from those lobsters when we did the flashback to like, the they were doing like the under the sea movie with like the mermaids and stuff. Oh, and they had okay. those guys like, ro- like walking around in like big lobster outfits. Yeah. Some very left shark energy. <laughs> okay. I really wanted one of them to just start dancing. <laughs> yeah. Probably not going to happen, but fair enough. It just, it, it like, it was a thing in my head and it gave me joy. So also, Fun fact. So, you know, in the dream sequence that Hugo's having where like the train can't stop. Yes. And it like crashes like through the train station and out the window. Uh-huh. That's a real event. Really? That really happens. So, again, I'm again, the, the podcast uh, format is going to fail us. So any, <laughs> she's folks, picking up the book. I'm picking up the book. I'm going to show a, a page that I bookmarked in the book. Google um, like french 1800s train accident or like france 1800s train accident okay and do an image search because it's unreal like this this photo we have an actual photo of it i'm she's, showing she's, it to she's Mike. opening she took the the bookmark out thank she's you she's opening the book uh, turning it to face <laughs> me oh my gosh uh now i can see a black and white photo uh covering the left and right hand side of the book uh, showing this is it this is the future of movies <laughs> <laughs> this is how all movies are going to go forward into the future a man in a dimly lit room describes the pictures to you <laughs> <laughs> with no visuals uh yeah so it's a uh, covering both sides it's a picture of a train that has fallen out the front of what looks like a train station yeah it yeah. actually looks a lot like the miniature set that they filmed for the, the movie yeah uh which i i know is on purpose because it's in the book it's in the book yeah so if you've seen the movie you've seen the picture pretty no, much you have not seen the picture if you've seen them <laughs> don't do that go google the actual historical record it's crazy it's very close but yeah it, it yeah the the train engine is like tilted out the window uh, with the nose on the ground and the back end still in the building halfway and yeah it looks it looks fake to be honest but like this is a real disaster that happened okay yeah yeah. Funny enough, they did not mention if there were any fatalities in the children's book about it. So, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell you like about that part. Yeah, we don't know how serious it was. I w- yeah, I was at first annoyed and then confused and then like, oh wow, that's a dream. It, yeah, it made, I yeah, I actually forgot scene. that he had a dream sequence in the book. Um, so I wasn't expecting the film. Then I was like, why is he being so dumb? Yeah, no, like, same. He's just sitting there. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't frightened for him. I was like, why is he being dumb? Yeah. Stop being dumb. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's okay. It makes sense. Because like we all know, like in dreams, we do weird stuff like Internet. We have well established in this household that the dream Mike who lives in my dreams is such a jerk. Yeah. For some reason, the, the Mike who lives <laughs> in my dreams is awful. Yeah, I've heard I've heard quite a few things about dream Mike. So, you know, like that's just how we be in dreams. N- We're not just many weird of in them dreams. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the skeletons in the in the old movies as well mm-hmm. they were giving me david s pumpkins energy oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i was seeing them like kind of dance around and stuff right. and i was just thinking like david s pumpkins and then i would like play the song <laughs> any questions <laughs> uh lots yeah um 
Okay, here's something that I liked. I liked the part where the kids ran into the security guard that was hunting him very poorly mm-hmm. the entire film, and the security guard didn't recognize him because he was wearing a hat. Uh-huh. And then they wanted to end the conversation, so the girl starts quoting poetry at him. I mean... It, it would probably work. Yeah, no. That's it, that's made me want to leave a party in real life so fast. <laughs> and you abandoned me. Oh, yeah. I will never let it go. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a great way to end a conversation with me to start reciting poetry. <laughs> so so <angry. laughs> And I will leave. Oh, my gosh. I will exit the conversation. Okay, this is a tangent. This isn't podcast related, but people need to know. Okay, so no, here's no, what Mike did no. to me. Okay. Here's what Mike did to me at a party. So we're there and we're kind of like, we don't really know anyone else. So we're kind of like sticking together or so I thought. (laughs) (laughs) So, and Mike was trying to be so supportive and was like, we were talking to this random person and Mike Mm -hmm. was trying to be like, oh yeah, my wife, she's a writer. He's very proud. And then this guy was like, oh, I'm a writer too. I write poetry. And I swear to you in that same moment, Mike goes, I have to go to the bathroom. And he (laughs) left for like 10 minutes. And I'm like left talking to this guy who's just like talking at me. Like we're no longer having a conversation. He's just talking at me about his poetry and what it gives him. And I'm like, this is great. Oh my gosh. I want to leave so bad. And as soon as Mike got back, I was like, we got to go. Okay. Bye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did that. Uh Yeah. (laughs) You know what? No regrets. (laughs) I did not want to be part of that conversation. (laughs) Sorry about your luck. (laughs) Anyway, we digress. Yes, we do. Um, Yeah, quoting poetry will definitely get people away from you. Mm -hmm. It's a tried and true tested uh, method of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, Dana. Okay. In in the book, uh huh. Did it go like this? So the this the movie was just so disjointed to me. In the beginning, there's the thing where uh, the very first scene where Hugo is very very poorly trying to steal a thing off of Ben Kingsley's counter. Mm-hmm. He's just walking up right in front of him in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm just gonna walk up and try to take this. And then Ben Kingsley is mean to him and calls him a thief. Apparently he had seen him thieving pieces and stuff before. Anyway, mm-hmm. they have this whole thing. He loses his notebook. Yeah. And the kid is like begging for his notebook back. I need my notebook uh-huh. that I can repair a thing. He takes like half an hour to tell Ben Kingsley why it's important to him. Uh-huh. So that the movie could be longer, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, you could tell he's a huge fan. Uh, so... <laughs> But then he has a conversation with Ben Kingsley about if he fixes enough things, then he'll get his notebook back. I didn't see him get the notebook back. He never did. Okay. Okay. Just want to clarify that because I was sort of not paying attention for large stretches of this film. Uh Uh-huh. So then without the notebook, he goes ahead and fixes the automaton. And then just magically, the girl has the key. Yes. Okay, there, I knew nothing you were, earned there. I at absolutely all? knew you were going to pick up the movie up on this. Like I was thinking about it while watching. Like Mike is absolutely going to call this out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, and maybe it's like a Hollywood thing. Maybe it's a very French thing. I don't know. But it's one of those storylines, and I will say it's not my favorite kind of storyline either. Because as you say, I, it doesn't feel super earned. But it's one of those stories where, like, oh, this is fate. Everything is working out. 
the way it's supposed to because destiny. And I, okay. And the book is the same. The book is the same. And I don't, I also do not find it super satisfying. No. So, but you know, sometimes that's how a story be. That's how it goes sometimes. I thought that maybe at the end you'd find out there was some sort of connection between like his late father and Ben Kingsley or something. So they were connected in some way. Uh Uh-huh. And that that's how they met up or how they managed to be in close proximity to each other Uh so that they could meet up. Because obviously the automaton belonged to Ben Kingsley before, Uh and that's why his family had the key, I guess. They just kept that as a keepsake. I don't know. But yeah. and But then the thing about the notebook, he was like, I need my notebook. So we're led to believe that up until the events of this movie, he had the notebook and didn't fix the automaton. And then he lost his notebook and then he fixed it. Uh Uh-huh. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, it... It feels a little like a red herring, but not like a good red herring mm-hmm. kind of because like it was actually like a really meaningful thing. Like it belonged to his dad, who is now dead. Yeah. Like which, by the way, as soon as Jude Law came on the screen, I wrote Jude Law equals tragic backstory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Before it even got to it. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. He died in a very fake fire accident. I mean, but again, this is very much like a thing that happens in a lot of like young people's literature absent parents usually dead Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what one other main thing i want to talk to you about Uh uh-huh is the look of this movie go on which i know we're not experts or anything okay but we watch a lot of movies okay or some amount sure you could look at this film and you could tell that a lot of it was fake Like, a whole lot of the backgrounds were all, like, CGI. Mm -hmm. At least I was very aware. Like I did not notice that. I noticed the mouse. The mouse looked really fake. Oh, yeah. I was very aware, like, at all times that almost none of the background was really there. Didn't notice that. I'd be willing to bet that, like, 80% of what was not, like, foreground or main characters Uh in almost every shot was green screen that got filled in with CGI. Mm Mm-hmm. It was very weird. Like the clock towers, like all that stuff, like none of that was really in camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, was that done on purpose to make it like not super realistic so that it felt like magical in some way? It felt like an alternate reality or like a dream? Or do you think it was just like they couldn't do it all for real? I do think there was probably some logistical issues because it's literally a lot of moving parts. Like I said, we spend like mm-hmm. half the movie inside of the clocks and there's a lot of moving parts. And anytime you have moving parts that I'm, I'm now speaking from like my stagecraft background. Right. Like number one rule in stagecraft is keep the actor safe. And anytime you have moving parts, you increase the danger for actors. Like you could catch some hair in moving parts. You can catch digits or clothing in moving parts. Right. So it might have also been a safety issue yeah but you don't have to do everything like you can do some of those things safely like you can do scale models and like comp it into the background instead of having it be all computer generated like you can do stuff where you film real things and then add it in later it's still but it still looks more real i mean it's probably also a cost saving thing 
Yeah, I don't know. Like like the scene with the train crash, uh-huh. the part where it comes out of the front of the train station. Yeah. That was real because it was a scale model mm-hmm. that they, they didn't get a real train to crash. But like it looked real because it was a scale model. It was an actual thing that they filmed. Uh-huh. But I feel like most of the rest of the movie just like looked really fake. I didn't I didn't notice that so much, but I don't watch like Corridor Crew or any of these other um, YouTubers <laughs> that that you watch that really get into the nitty gritty of this. Yeah. So I didn't really notice that. Mm. So I, it didn't like take me out of it or anything. Okay. Yeah. Well. I, I wrote a summary of this film. What was the summary? <laughs> I wrote all of the pretentious boringness of a quote unquote prestige film, but with child actors and tons of CGI. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I didn't understand like half of that. I don't know what counts as a prestige film. I, there are films I like and films I don't. <laughs> That's what I have. I don't know. It just had like the pacing and stuff of a film that's like oh i'm trying to be serious or something i did find the pacing quite slow yeah uh and i'm not sure that this film will have appealed to children because of that i think it'd have a hard time yeah and i will and i actually prefer because and we we must always talk about like books versus the movie when we when a book is adapted i definitely prefer the book to this because one i can actually read this this tome of a book in less time than i watch the film because again, it's at least half illustrations, if not more. Okay. And the illustrations are also just like of a very, a very cool style. Like they're all pencil drawings. So you have just like black and white pencil drawings with just like crosshatch kind of shading and stuff, which is an artistic style I just personally really like. Mm-hmm. So I definitely prefer the book to this. Yeah. I also think that because you are sort of being fed whatever the pacing is in a movie and again the pacing was a little bit slow i can read a book faster if i want if i want the action to go (laughs) faster i can just read faster (laughs) yeah yeah no i just felt like it had that like slow plotting nature of a film that's trying to like set the scene of being very emotional Uh and serious about the emotions happening like trying to be oscar-y or something like that i i don't know but i felt like it kind of just fell in the middle of everything Uh like it wasn't serious and emotional enough for me to be really invested in the drama but it also wasn't whimsical enough for me to be like kind of swept into the the fun Uh aspects i felt like the fun aspects were kind of shoved off into little corners i know what you mean like like you had these like slow drawn out dramatic like serious like ben kingsley is is very uh, sorry. Ben's Kingsley is <laughs> nice. is very angry with Hugo, but we don't know why. We don't know his backstory. He's just uh-huh. really angry, and and Hugo is scared and like hiding. And then you have cut to Sasha Baron Cohen making jokes to some police guy about his wife having an affair with someone. Like, wait, whoa, what's happening here? I will say, I think they really tried to make it funny with Sasha Baron Cohen, and I liked him in this. I. I don't always love Sasha Baron Cohen's particular brand of humor, mm-hmm. but in this, I I thought it was like, okay, but it did feel disjointed because the rest of the film wasn't like that right. at yeah. all. Because Sasha Baron Cohen's in this, he had, I'm, I'm just pluralizing everything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sasha Baron's Cohen. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> multiple Barons, however many Cohen's. I'm sorry. I'm just 
I'm just making, I'm making more of this than it is. But um, anyway, so yeah, I, I really think had the rest of the movie had this same kind of silliness about it that Mm -hmm. his scenes did, I think it honestly would have made a better children's film. Yes. Yes, I agree. But I might have been more interested as well. Yeah. He sort of just gets like shoehorned in. Well, also at the same time being supposed to be like the menacing figure. He is like the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, and this, this is, oh, this is a thing. It, it bothers me. It makes villains in children's entertainment so flat and unrealistic. Yeah. If, oh, cause like, and this, this does also get into the, the whole steampunk theme of like class issues mm-hmm. where it's basically illegal to be poor and homeless. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't have a home to go to. You don't have parents. You're going to get locked up in the orphanage. Right. Here you go, kid. Like, I, I'm glad that was included. I kind of feel like it was glossed over a little bit. Like, hey, these are actual class issues. Like, mm-hmm. if we're going to include them, let's include them. But anyway. Also, the kid had the 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 great defense he never pulled it out he's like who do you think's been winding all these clocks for so I long i know i was waiting for that i was like dude tell him that you've been doing the job like you may not be officially employed but you're doing the job yeah so you know anyway Whole place gonna fall apart if you put me in an orphanage that's right yeah he never did that people need to be on time where there's trains yeah so anyway sasha Baron yeah. cohen being a villain like yeah he like menaces children and like drags them away to be locked up until they're you know an, an adult or whatever and but it's a very like yuck yuck kind of character yeah so it sort of like undermines the danger for sure and also like are we meant to be rooting for him when he's trying to get a date with Lisette the flower girl yeah right so i was I'm very like, confused I by that too like i don't want you to have success if you're going to be a bad person (laughs) right so it was it was very like emotionally confused Mm -hmm. and i mean i kind of saw it coming that like he's gonna like not he's gonna end up not being bad because of this like it was kind of setting it up for like he's gonna like change his ways or whatever but it just it was it was like a little weird also he made a huge uh mistake in the beginning of that interaction he was like i'm going to take coffee to her oh no wait i will put the coffee down and i will go coffeeless to this woman who i would like to be interested in me mm. bring the coffee always bring the coffee yeah pro seriously tip. pro tip everyone to bring the coffee yeah honestly you people you do not understand how powerful this is like bring someone you love assuming they like coffee just a random surprise cup of coffee like a latte from somewhere just do it and just see their eyes light up okay this is a pro tip y'all you can have this for free you are welcome (laughs) bring a friggin latte to the person you care about yes do it indeed for smart people you know what smart people do they rate movies? They rate movies. Hey, and more smart people. I got in one. <laughs> so let's do what we do and rate this film. Okay. First of all, we rate not based on any critical acclaim or anything, but the first thing we do is how steampunk is this film on a scale of one to five steam engines. Dana, what do you think oh, the steampunk rating five. for this film is? You think I stand it's five? by what I said. I, th- I think it's like peak steampunk. It's got just about everything. Yeah, I don't think I can argue with that. I don't feel like, yeah, no, 
I was going to say it's not really central, but the automaton is very central. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I was just so bored for so many stretches. I was I'm like, sorry. Put something interesting and geary on the screen for me, please. Uh-huh. Instead of these people talking about their feelings. <laughs> you you do hate characters talking about their feelings. It's like one of your pet peeves in, in entertainment. Oh, they had that speech at the end where they were talking about their purpose. And like my eyes rolled all the way backwards in my head. <laughs> anyway, so five I out do, of five. I do yeah. feel like it was a bit ham fisted the way they kind of handled like the arc wrap up. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just like, OK, I'm, I'm not going to like uh, like I see what you're doing, you know, like a for effort. Yeah. But maybe like a B minus C plus for execution. No, that fist was several pounds of ham. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) And on that note, uh, the second rating we give is not how good we think the movie is, but how much did we enjoy watching it? Okay. What was your enjoyment level, Dana, for Hugo on one to five gears? I honestly, I'm sorry. I'm going to give it. I really want to give it a three, but I think I can only give it a two. And the reason why. I well okay I like I said I want to give it a three I can see what they were trying to do with this film mm-hmm. but this book already existed in a or this film existed in a book form first yeah I have the book yeah I would rather just reread the book like a hundred times over I'd rather just reread the book than rewatch the film I'm willing to bet that the illustrations in the book look better than the movie too I mean the illustrations are just beautiful yeah uh so yeah I'm gonna say two out of five sorry yeah, uh, I'm going to rate mine on a scale of one to five top hats. Uh huh. And it gets a one because that's the minimum rating. So one top hat, two gears, five steam engines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they can't all be winners. An unenjoyable, very steampunk film. Yeah. <laughs> According to us. Uh huh. Yeah. So, According to our own random opinions. So take that for what you will. Indeed. Uh, if you have your opinion, why don't you let us know? Uh-huh. Uh, in the Discord, maybe. Hit us up in the Discord. There's a link in the description to this podcast. So you can join the Discord. You can talk to us. Tell us how great or awesome or terrible you think our opinions are. Uh, join the Discord to do that. You could also hit us up on our socials. We are at Steam Powered Pod on Twitter. We are at Steam Powered Movies on Instagram and Threads, where we barely ever post, but the accounts do exist, so you can <laughs> hit us up there. Uh, you can go to steampoweredmovies.com for a list of episodes and more information. And we thank you for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. We will talk to you again next month with a new episode. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.